welcome to This Week in Brattleboro History, produced by the Brattleboro Historical Society and the Brattleboro Area Middle School. The BAM's local history classes have ended for the first semester, and the students want to share a few stories they were working on that included interviews with folks in the area. Governor Hunthouse. Students interviewed Vernon Town Clerk Tim Arsenal by phone in order to ask questions about the Governor Hunthouse. He was very helpful and passed on some interesting stories. It is clear that he loves his hometown. We learned the Governor Hunthouse was built in 1779 by Jonathan Hunt. He never became Governor of Vermont, but was Lieutenant Governor 1794 to 1796. Jonathan and his brother Arad were successful land speculators during the early years of Vermont. They purchased tens of thousands of acres of land and later sold the land for large profits. Jonathan Hunt also donated thousands of acres in northern Vermont to benefit the University of Vermont, and his brothers did the same for Middlebury College. It is believed the Governor Hunt Mansion was built by Jonathan as he was preparing to wed his second wife, Lavina Swan, from Boston. At the time of its construction, the house was thought to be the finest mansion in the area. Jonathan Hunt's daughter, Anna, married Parley Marsh in 1793. They moved across the Connecticut River to Hinsdale, New Hampshire. At the time, Vernon was known as Hinsdale, Vermont. In 1802, it was Lavina Hunt who recommended the town change its name to Vernon. The Vermont legislature had suggested naming the town after former Lieutenant Governor Jonathan Hunt, but he declined and his wife came up with the name Vernon. Anna Hunt Marsh had married a financially successful doctor and they lived in a mansion on the New Hampshire side of the Connecticut River. When Anna Hunt Marsh died in 1834, she left the money to open a hospital for the insane in Wyndham County. This was the beginning of what became the Brattleboro Retreat. Anna Hunt Marsh also left the money for the preaching of the gospel in Vernon. According to Mr. Arsenal, she was concerned about the religious well-being of Vernon residents because she could see the heathen working on their farm fields on Sundays. Each year, Bibles are purchased with the money she bequeathed to the town almost 200 years ago. The Governor Hunt House and many of the 1,731 acres that came with it left the Hunt family in 1833 when Jonathan Hunt's son died in the house and much of the property was sold to William Hurd. Community College of Vermont. Zach Young, an academic advisor at CCV, visited the local history class a little while ago. Students interviewed Mr. Young and learned about the programs available through the local college. The dual enrollment plan and early college programs were explained and the 8th grade students learned how they could begin studying with CCV during their high school years. Mr. Young explained how professional certificates could be earned and college credits towards two and four year degrees could also be obtained. CCV has its roots going all the way back to 1970 when Governor Dean Davis signed a bill aimed at giving more Vermonters access to education beyond high school. In the 1980s, CCV expanded to 12 locations throughout Vermont. For many years, it was located at Landmark Hill on Putney Road. In 2014, CCV of Brattleboro moved to the renovated Brooks House and took up residence on Main Street. The Vermont Legislature passed Act 77 in 2013. Act 77 allows high school students to pursue flexible pathways to graduation. This includes dual enrollment programs to get both high school and college credits. Many students at the high school are finding the dual enrollment in early college programs very helpful as they begin to plan for their futures. The Costume Loft, Magic Closet. A few weeks ago, Mary Lenny gave local history students a tour of the BOHS Costume Loft near the auditorium. 
Miss Lenny has been the BAMS librarian and BUHS costume director for more than 20 years. The visit to the loft was a walk into the past. The area was untouched by the building renovations completed earlier this century. So a visit to the loft is like walking back in time to the 1950s. Bob Kramsky became the drama director in the 1970s, and that is when the costume loft really began to grow. Mr. Kramsky accumulated countless boxes of donated costumes and props throughout the years. From cowboy costumes to police uniforms to Roman togas, the closet has gained all sorts of fashions from people who decided to donate their clothing instead of throwing it away. Clothes line the walls and many racks in this loft. They are separated by a wide variety of timelines, colors, and lengths. One of the clothing racks has a timeline that starts at biblical times and travels through the 1920s. Another area is organized into stacks of boxes. The labels on the outside of the boxes tell the story. Some of the many labels are teen angel capes, spats, long underwear, western animal masks, hooded monk robes, metallic wigs, stomach pads, and tunics. Props also line the walls, populate the shelves, and mingle with the clothing. One shelf is set aside for phones through the years. A hundred years of technological innovation can be found on that shelf. Next to the phones are candelabras and tableware. The far wall is an area set aside for hats. Many sequels of the children's book, Caps for Sale, could be inspired by the number and variety of hats found in the costume loft collection. COVID has had a large impact on the performing arts. We miss the music, songs, plays, and public performances. When the eighth graders first saw the costume loft, they named it the Magic Closet. It reminded us that performing arts can spark the imagination, heal the heart, and cause the soul to soar. The costume loft is full of the magic that comes from the arts. Let's hope this magic will soon be released again on an appreciative live audience. Thanks to Tim Arsenal, Zach Young, and Mary Lenny for sharing their stories with us. That's how history gets passed on from one generation to the next. We'd also like to thank Kennedy, Lucas, Eli, Greg, Ian, Anna, Ronnie, Brindley, Donovan, and Brayden for reading this week's Brattleboro History. Hey, that's a win. <laughs> Did we miss anybody in our list? Last time I missed like four people. <laughs> Did you get everybody this time? Yes. Please join us next week for another story from our community's past.